This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. This is your host, Darren Hood. Hello, everyone, and thanks for taking the time to partake of the podcast today. Welcome to those of you listening for the very first time. We've been taking the last few weeks to spend time talking about user experience from a a realistic perspective, focusing, for the most part, on those who are interested in UX. This may be applicable also to people who have just launched into UX. You may be in your first UX role. And in some cases, this is going to apply to some people who may have been in UX for a while. And it pretty much all revolves around making sure that the perspectives, that the opinions that we have about this discipline are accurate, and, and why is this critical? I, I had a conversation, had a dynamite week interacting with people around the world about UX. And there was one topic that sort of stood out to me that I can present in our preliminary part of the, of the podcast today. And someone was talking because they, they, they're like, why is it that some of you, not very many of us, but why are, why do some of you spend time talking about UX from the perspective of that's not the way you should do it. This is incorrect. That's not appropriate. That's not the right definition. Why is it? I'm wondering, and and I'll let you spend a moment thinking about that before I tell you why. It is extremely critical when you go to build something, when you go to establish something, when you're going to launch out in a venture, one of the most important things that you can do is to make sure that you understand the cost. You want to count the cost before you get involved. You want to assess how much effort it's going to take before you begin to invest your own energy, your own emotion, your own money. It is critically important. And I'm reminded of what happens in the world of construction. And in the world of construction, and you could think about it from a renovation perspective as well, because that's applicable to what we're talking about. One cannot embark upon construction, or again, renovation for that matter, without assessing where you currently are. If it's a brand new construction project, you don't just come in and just start building. You have to come in, you need to understand the the state of the ground. How good is the ground that we're talking about building upon? Do we have any environmental issues that we need to take into consideration? And do we have any environmental issues that we may need to resolve before we begin building? If you're conducting a, a renovation project, you're gonna come in, you're gonna look at things. What can we keep? What do we need to get rid of? And then you begin to drop your plan and you launch, whether it's construction or renovation. The bottom line is this. 
We can't just come in and just start talking about how UX should be done. What's the best way to wireframe? What's the best way to prototype? What are the best ways to conduct research and how should that research be done? Those things are all valuable and that goes without saying. But if you just come in, as it is in construction and renovation, and you begin to build and you begin to change things and you begin to renovate, you don't just come in and do that. You have to rid that area of something that's not compatible with what you're about to build. You can't just come in and build on any old parcel of land. You have to make sure, hey, this is really swampy. So if we're going to build on this, there's certain things we need to do. Hey, this area doesn't really allow for us to do certain types of excavation. So we need to look at a a different way of doing things. We can't just come in. That's on the construction side. We can't just come in, jumping straight to UX now. We can't just come in and and just take the person, no matter what they believe, no matter what, what they've been doing, no matter how they've been practicing, and then just put true UX on top of it. It is important to root up, to basically to pluck up, to, to rid that area of anything that's not compatible with proper operation. If you're doing something wrong, it is important to understand that it was wrong so that you can let those things go before you go forward. That is the only way. And this is not just a UX thing, by the way. This is applicable across the board to any, any discipline. If someone is practicing something and it's incorrect, the person has to renounce that. The person has to embrace the proper approach before they can go forward. It is practically impossible to commingle sound practices with things that are not appropriate. That's why people like me spend time talking about aspects of the doctrine that people are are, are embracing that are inappropriate. I've been saying this for the last few years and I say it again. UX has been under siege since about 2012 or 2013. People have continued to try to redefine UX. People have been adding elements to the discipline that don't belong. They're not appropriate. One such is UX writing. And I know some people think that UX writing is legit. I guarantee you they've never heard my presentation on why it is not. There is no way in the world, I said this on LinkedIn recently, I say it again today before we get into today's segments as we continue talking about research methods. There is no way in the world, and there is nowhere where there is enough writing, as people put it, from a supposedly a UX perspective that will keep a person busy 40 hours a week or 35 or whatever it is in anybody's environment. There is no way. On the flip side of that, as a person who's been practicing UX full time now for about 17 years, I have been looking at UX and including within my own UX practice elements that look at nomenclature, the way that taxonomies are set, because you're getting into the labels and you're getting into the way things are grouped. That's all information architecture. If you're looking at calls to action and what's structured there, that's information architecture. If you're looking at the way that that a lot of the other elements, all the elements that people are claiming associated with UX writing all belong to other parts of the discipline. So when you get 
people who are practicing UX, professing to, in certain places, and they're not skilled in information architecture or the other parts of the discipline that might feed into UX writing, they're not, they may not be good at it, so they think that the UX writing is appropriate. They think that it's something that we should embrace and that people should launch into, when in fact, if people were actually good at the different elements, there would be no place for the UX writers to operate. In my history as a UX professional, I have, over the course of that time, worked with copywriters. None of them were trying to be UX writers. Somebody said, well, copywriting is UX and UX writing are both different. Yeah, they are. But I'm, I'm here to tell you the UX writing isn't needed. When the, when the copywriters would have, they would write copy. That's what they do. They would write text. They would put everything together. They would run it by me from a UX perspective. And I was one of only a few that understood concepts of readability, which is tied into usability that you would look at reading levels, which factors into it. That's something that everybody has access to within a, a Microsoft Word, for God's sake. And all you have to do is is check the Flesh Kincaid score on the copy, and you can make sure that the greeting level, the grade level of the reading, matches your target audience in your current days. You don't need a UX writer for that. That's something that's already present. So I've always worked with the copywriters to make sure that what they were putting together was suitable from a UX perspective, that it, that it fostered a strong user experience. Never at any time did we need somebody to just focus on what I was doing because I would do it and then I would jump back out and I would start doing all the other UX work, but never, even when I was doing it, there was never justification for someone to do that all day. It was a fragment of one day during the week. And again, the only way you would need somebody to do that on a regular basis is is because somebody is not skilled or somebody is making things up. The copywriters have plenty of time, plenty of need, I should say, to do what they were doing, but that was their job to make sure. Somebody has to write the text that appears on the page to give labels for calls to action, for headings, for the elements found in navigation. Those are all information architecture principles. And ironically, people are trying to uh, operate today as if information architecture doesn't exist. And some people even go as far as saying uh, that it's unnecessary. Some educational resources don't even teach information architecture. And then up pops UX writing. Go figure. I will not change my stance on it because, as is my rule, I'm going to look at something. I'm going to deep dive it before I begin talking about it. So before someone says that that's your opinion, this is an educated opinion. It's an expert opinion. And that's different. And I have a ton of data to back it up. And someone once said, uh, I worked at a place once where someone tried to become a UX writer. And I said, no, I, I can't approve that. And I explained the same thing that I'm saying right now on this podcast. And they said, well, what do you think the person should be called? And I said, technical writer, which is what their title is today. There's no reason to change anything because you're not doing anything differently. And there was someone on the team 
who was who was vouching for them and was supportive of the change, but it was because they didn't understand what I'm saying. This is why we have challenges in UX today, because the inmates are running the asylum, as Alan Cooper might put it. If we're going to have a healthy future in UX, everybody who has not come up, and I don't want to create a, 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 a some, this is where some people accuse us of being uh, gatekeepers. We're trying to say, in order to do things right, you have to come through the proper paths. You have to learn the discipline. You cannot skip over the principles, the basics of user experience as a discipline and then still excel. It's like, and something I'm going to talk about in an upcoming episode is, is how that if you, when you're growing as a UX professional, no matter who you are and where you came from, it's like the assembly of a car. And some people are, it's like they, they come halfway through the assembly process. The front of the car is there, but the back of the car is not. And then they're celebrating where they are as a UX professional. You can't celebrate it. It's a half assembled car. You're missing certain things. You're missing an axle. You're missing an engine. You're missing rear view mirrors. You're missing something. And we continue to build. We continue to add on different elements onto our assembly, quote unquote, if you will, we need to embrace that, though. We can't turn our back on something that's needed to make us sound, to make us trustworthy, to make us viable in the discipline. And a lot of people, some people aren't even trying to redefine UX. Some people are just flat out. They're just they're just trying to just assimilate it and using the car metaphor. They're coming through as a Mustang and they're putting a Bentley or a BMW or Mercedes Benz label on it. It's not a Benz. It's not a Bentley. It's not a BMW. It's still a Ford. So you can't just change the label and then all of a sudden you are what the label says. That's not true. And so until we all get on board with this, we'll continue having a lot of these issues where we have false UX positions rising and false aspects of practice and 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 the war that some people have against seniors it will continue because to some people that's how they get ahead that's what they were taught you want to get ahead step on the person in front of you and you'll get ahead that's not it so we need to embrace what ux is we should be building upon the principles and the practice the methods the methodologies of yesterday not trying to eliminate them. Someone told me once that the methods that Jacob Nielsen uses, they're outdated. There is nothing outdated that anybody like Jacob Nielsen has has, has uh, ushered into the world of UX. He hasn't done anything. There's nothing outdated about having proper nomenclature. There's nothing outdated about doing a card sort exercise. There's nothing outdated about, about Tognazini's uh, interaction design principles. People are just trying to to suppress what they don't know and what they don't want to be accountable to, in the name of vaulting themselves forward. So I guess we're we're a little off the beaten path today, but that's okay. And we we can pick up on the research stuff next week. But I guess we consider this an interlude today. But if you want to be a UXer, you have to embrace the different things that make up what UX is. It's not about the visuals. That comes later, and we're not even responsible for it. But people have been trying to come in, some of the biggest 
uh, the biggest offenders in the world of UX who, who have been trying to redefine and, and basically commandeering certain things are people that come from visual design oriented backgrounds where they just put something together and it's pretty and everybody, everybody celebrated and everybody, and, and then they just went on to the next project. That's not what happens over here. What we're doing is far more than visuals. You can't just come in, make something pretty. And then we think that it works. That simply is not how it, how it works. And if someone is thinking that way, you're deceiving yourself. That, that's just the truth of it today. Call me a gatekeeper if you want. You're just deflecting. Call me being too hard. You got to be realistic about this thing. We need to be grownups. And, and when you're a grown-up, you can sit there as a kid, and what are you going to be when you grow up? I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. You can wish all you want. But the truth of the matter is that UX revolves around usability, heuristics, information architecture, UX research, interaction and interface design, and, and trying to marry user needs and business needs, taking constraints into perspective, keeping them in mind, and designing so you can get wins for the whole. And visual is the last thing that we are considered uh, that we're concerned about the very last thing that we're concerned about today. So call this a wake up call, call this a wake up call. You want to be a UXer. You can't fake your way into it. You want to be a UXer. It's a slow path of growth. You want to be a UXer today. Understand what it takes. Do not try to microwave. Do not try to fast track yourself because you cannot fast track yourself in UX and think that you're still going to make it. People say, well, you know, uh, Darren, uh, I I went to boot camps and they told me that I can learn UX in six months. And, you know, I did get a job. <laughs> really? <laughs> and that's to justification. You got a job? Since when do the means justify the end? I'm reminded of, it's a, somewhat of a crude example, but there was a movie, and the movie was about some some uh, drug kingpins in an in a, in a inner city, and there was a person responsible for doing their books. So you mean to tell me that the fact that, th- and, and, and somebody would say, well, that's a crude example, again, uh, and, and that's fiction. Folks, this really happens. This kind of thing happens. People get jobs with corrupt sources. People get jobs with with places and companies that they shouldn't be working for, folks that need to be arrested. So you can't, and again, very crude example, but it's accurate. You can't justify the boot camps just because you got a job. That doesn't mean that you did the right thing. It doesn't mean that 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 you have have come up the the ranks properly. It doesn't mean that you understand UX. A lot of people are going to the boot camps and being taught by somebody who graduated the previous week. Since when is that ethical? It's not. So if you want to be a UXer today, let's lose the rose-colored glasses. Let's lose the pie in the sky mentality. Let's lose the unwillingness and the inability to be criticized 
because it is a part of what we do. You want to be a UXer today? Let's go out and get some thick skin because you will present solutions and people will shoot it down. And sometimes for absolutely no good reason whatsoever. And you need to be able to stay professional. You need to be tactful. You need to be able to to work with the team to collaborate even when nobody wants to listen to you. You have to keep your head on straight and continue to go forward. You don't have the liberty of being upset because somebody didn't like your recommendation. You don't have the liberty to to call the shots because somebody didn't want to embrace what you were saying. That's not us. It's our job to advocate for users. It's our job to try to get wins for the business. It's our job to labor to get wins for users, to make sure that we're representing them. Nobody else that represents the user is in the meetings but the UX professional. And if you're just trying to present your design and trying to get your way and operating from biases, the same biases that UX professionals are required to manage, yeah, You want to be a UX professional? You want to be a UXer? It is your job. It is my job to manage the biases of the people on your design team, to manage the biases of your stakeholders, to manage the biases of of the hippos, the highest paid person opinion that's represented in the room. It's our job to curtail those things. And if you don't have the emotional intelligence and the discipline to be able to do it and keep everyone's biases at bay, then that's an op- that's something we need to recognize so that we can be ready to grow in that arena. And we will always grow as a UX professional. We will always fight to go forward. But we're not here to just call the shots and just Yes, there are people out there that come into UX, as I said in a previous episode, all they want is the money. They're only interested in the money associated with UX. You're in the wrong discipline. Absolutely the wrong discipline. That's not why we're here. That's not what we're all about. This has got to be one of the most selfless disciplines in the world. And if you don't have the selflessness to operate properly, you're not going to be successful. Oh yeah, you'll get a paycheck and, 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 and you'll fool somebody, especially if the UX maturity level in a given company is very low. And I've seen a ton of that in my career, but that's not who we are. If you wanna be a UXer, I beg of you today, please do it the right way. There's way too many people out there that are doing it the wrong way and we all end up paying the price in the end, it may take a while, but we'll all end up paying the price. So again, you want to be a UXer? Let's go about this the right way. Let's grow the right way. Let's get the right principles in our foundation. And then we can go forward. Folks, we <laughs> we are out of time today. Again, we'll continue. This is still part of the same series, but we'll pick up on some additional research methods and methodologies next week so until then this is your host daring hood signing off today for the world of ux podcast happy uxing everybody thanks for joining us for this session of cx of m radio 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.